It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to football. We digress. So back to the Bears and the wide receiver room and some of the things that Ryan Poles alluded to in talking about the addition of DJ Moore, who joins a receiving core with Chase Claypool, who has a receiving core with Darnell Mooney once he gets healthy. If he gets healthy, I assume that's going to be the case, Dan. But what did you hear from Ryan Poles that, that intrigued you and how that may help us understand about how the wide receiver hierarchy will be structured. Yeah, well, I want to walk through this a little bit step-by-step here, and I think it probably pays to start at the top with DJ Moore, who is going to be your established number one receiver when they when they hit the practice fields a week from now and will carry that role likely into the regular season. So let's listen to Ryan on what uh, he envisioned with DJ Moore in this Bears offense, and then we'll kind of stair-step down through that depth chart a little bit. The element of, you know, being – compatible with our quarterback, which one of his strengths is, is moving the ball down the field, and he's capable of doing that, tracks it really well. Um, and then at the same time, being able to separate. Uh, we look for guys that can separate and get open. He does that well, too, which obviously throwing to a more open receiver is is valuable. And then the last step is just run after the catch. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that, you know, when you get up close to him, he's actually way more thick and stronger than, than what you would uh, imagine. So um, all three of those things are really going to help our offense be more efficient and more um, explosive. One thing, David, that's been consistent in kind of the reviews of DJ Moore are separation skills. Everyone in the league sort of admires the way this dude uses his skill set to create separation. It's quarterback's best friend. You throw into a guy who's a little bit more open. Now, all of a sudden, you got a bigger window to fit that football in. And then you talk about his strength and then his steadiness, which I think is the one thing coming out of Carolina that, that drew a lot of praise is just his ability to kind of be on a roller coaster and not be somebody that gets, you know, jostled by it, that, that gets unnerved by it, plays a position that, you know, has a lot of prima donnas in this league that, that get upset when their team is losing, the ball's not coming their way. That's not DJ Moore. And so you, you put in this kind of rock solid piece as your number one, and now you envision some of these other pieces you have around them reaching closer to a best case scenario than a worst case scenario. The two other guys that we need to talk to here right now that, that kind of have a teeter totter going back and forth for very different reasons are Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. My understanding with Mooney is that they are fully anticipating him to be ready for training camp. Well, training camp is still two plus months away. There is no sort of pipe dream that he's going to hit the field for organized team activities. Potentially, if you could get him to do something movement wise by the end of minicamp a month from now, you, you feel a little better about it. But obviously, the target goal is having him ready to play the regular season. Right. And he's coming in off this ankle injury and you just don't know where he's at right now with the with the optimism internally that he will be OK by the time training camp opens. I would feel differently about it if he were a new player being added via trade or free agency. I don't have the concern about him, you know, integrating into the mix or developing chemistry or whatever the case is, learning the offense because he's been here and he was already you know, established with. Justin Fields a couple years now. Sure. He's in this offense for one season. And so to me, that lessens the urgency to have him back before he's ready. I Correct. would 
I would not want to rush him back just so we can develop chemistry by the end of, of, of minicamp. I would take as much time as possible and then add a week or so because one thing about Darnell Mooney is that you know that he's going, he's going to show up and you're not going to have to worry about – I mean, once he's healthy, that's the only thing you worry about. The other intangibles have never been a concern. Well, and you have you bring up a point there that I think is worth noting. You, you could take three weeks longer than than you need to to be absolutely cautious and safe in this situation because you want to assess whether Darnell Mooney deserves a second contract with your organization and how much it's worth if that's the decision you need to go down. And none of us are under the delusion that the Bears are are making a run at a Super Bowl in 2023. And so that's where general managers with big picture long views have to come into play and 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 kind of talk a coaching staff into we're going to be cautious with this and we're going to see what this looks like. Anytime a player suffers a season ending injury for me, um, I've just kind of applied this over time in my own situation is just, I need to see it with my eyes. You know, I, I remember Brad Biggs and, and, uh, I, I looking at organized team activities a few years ago when Tariq Cohen was coming back and, and, and it was like, is he coming back? And you heard internal rhetoric, like, okay, you know, we're keeping an eye on things. We'll think it'd be okay. And you would watch Tariq walk from, from, you know, the doors of Hallis Hall out to the practice field and you could see a hitch in, 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 and you're like, this is not right. You know, this, this, this dude, you know, hurt himself on a punt return in Atlanta, however many months ago, and he's still walking walking, you know, with an obvious hitch that that's much different than running at full speed and cutting against NFL defenders looking to, to take you down, you know? And so there's an eye test to this that always comes into play. And so I need to watch Darnell Mooney run uh, several times before, before my brain is able to process it. Oh yeah, he's fine. And he'll be ready to go for the regular season. If he has to wait till week three of the regular season, so be it. Missed the Packers game, missed week two, and whatever it is. I'm not saying that's where the Bears are leaning towards. I think they hope that he's on the the uh, the runway to being back for training camp and being ready to go when the regular season starts. But I think it just emphasizes the point that at the state you're at with the player and his potential value to your long-term building process, you want to be very cautious. Did Dr. Biggs predict an injury settlement at that point of Tariq Cohen's <laughs> development? He's uh, typically predicting injury settlements two to three times per oh, practice. Did I say Dr. Biggs? I meant Counselor Biggs. That's <laughs> the one who usually uh, suggests the injury settlement. Okay, so I think, Mooney, you take your time. I think Claypool's an entirely different story. That's where, that's where we're going to learn more about, okay, now that he's healthy physically, where is he mentally? How is he in terms of uh, sublimating his ego into the mix? How does he feel about the Bears' big offseason deal bringing in a wide receiver to be the number one that he maybe thought he was when he came over from Pittsburgh? Those, to me, are, are more pressing questions that are harder to answer than whether or not Darnell Mooney will be part of the mix once he's healthy. It's more than fair to at least partially interpret the trade for DJ Moore and getting DJ Moore as part of Justin Fields's uh, pass catching weaponry as a, a, a slight concern inside the building that Chase Claypool isn't going to become what you thought he was going to become when you traded for him last November. If he was, you wouldn't have to prioritize getting Justin someone, but now you're in this third season of Justin's career, second season with this regime, and you need to make some huge decisions about who he is as a quarterback. And one of those decisions has to be based on the the, the talent he's been allowed to play with. And so obviously you want to add competition and depth to that room whenever you can. But I do think there is an element here where it's like, okay, we can't risk the possibility that Chase Claypool is a dud and it, and it, and it, 
inhibits our evaluation of Justin Fields. And so now DJ Moore is here and he takes that pressure off you as a general manager because you say, okay, now we've got a guy with a much longer track record of success, much uh, more proven in terms of his ability to again ride that roller coaster. And now to your point, David, the pressure is on Chase Claypool to prove to everyone in that building that he can be a player you want as part of your long-term future, that he's not just after his own second contract and his own glory uh, and, and is able to um, create the chemistry that is not only required on a quarterback receiver relationship, but just in the room and locker room in general, that allows you to do the climb that the bears are currently trying to proceed with. There's a lot at stake for chase Claypool that creates a lot of pressure also. And now you're going to learn about how he handles pressure for the first time in his entire life playing for a contract. That'll be fun to follow. A lot of other receivers to work into the mix. That's what the fun of OTAs is because you actually get to see the catching and pass throwing and it's just the developing the chemistry, the timing, all kinds of things. All right. The other thing from Ryan Poles that I think stood out to you or had your ears perk up was when he was not necessarily using the same language that you use often and we both talked about on occasion last season but he put it in a different context but he was talking about the same thing and that is basically the bears finishing the job once they are in a close game whether they're uh, protecting a lead or coming back late in the fourth quarter it's finishing the job and and winning that game and developing championship habits you and i have been frequently misinterpreted and and misconstrued on this topic not by the take the north audience just take the north audience as we've have, we've savvy. documented over and over again savvy yeah. they, they have a great amount of intelligence football sophistication they understand what we're talking about but i do love hearing ryan kind of articulate what he's looking for with this climb and he continues to use the phrase that you just used and i think it was creating a championship mindset right i think last year we 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 buried learning to win we got three five shovels out we put a headstone on it and we said we're not going to talk about learning to win anymore and i think what was our what was our our change i think we said developing a winning formula if i'm not mistaken that was something along those lines is what we changed it to which to me goes hand in hand look at those hands clasping with creating a championship mindset that ryan wants to to create here because i think what he's talking about here is what we were talking about last year what we will continue to talk about and it's turning hope into belief and there's a difference between hoping you've got your forever quarterback there's a difference between hoping you can be a team that is in the playoff mix in december there's a difference between hoping you can win a super bowl and believing you can with with a firm belief that's backed by vibes and evidence and everything else that goes into winning championships at the highest level of professional football. When Ryan talks about that, you know, he, he's talking about getting into the flow of, of, of having an expectation that you win. That means when you get in a, a fourth quarter game and it's, there's eight minutes to go and you're down three or up three, you know, you're going to close the deal. And you know you're going to close the deal because you've closed the deal in the past. And every time you don't close the deal, it creates doubt where belief is needed. And every time you do close a deal, it creates belief where doubt can go away, you know, and that is all we've been saying. I think that's really. all relevant, though. It's all relevant. And it's a matter of semantics about what you want to call it, because we're all seeing the same thing. And certainly the Bears are hoping for the same thing. Basically, we're all saying the same thing. Justin Fields, when you need to put together a drive, I think that if you're down two and you need to get in field goal range, do it. Don't throw the ball away. Don't go three and out. Don't, don't, you know, overthrow anybody on fourth down. Finish it. 
That's part of learning how to win. That's part of developing championship traits or habits. That's what football coaches, football people are looking for. And that's what they know you're talking about when we're all basically saying the same thing in different ways. No, there's no doubt about it. And that belief component is is enormous. And you got to remember, Ryan comes from a place where they created that belief during his time in Kansas city and they went and won a super bowl and then he left and they won another one, you know? And, and so, so he knows what that feels like. He knows what that looks like. He knows that uh, as he told Bernstein and Holmes last week, that there were moments last year where he broke trash cans because he was so frustrated at the bears inability to get through some rough patches. I'm glad you brought that up. What do, what do you think that involved? Like what, what are we talking about? Trash cans here? Are they metal trash cans? Are they tall trash cans? He kicked over. What do what are we talking about? And where did he do this? Was it like in the press box? In- I would assume it's wherever they watch the games at Soldier Field, because typically in uh, road press boxes, he's sitting right above us, you know, like one row a- ahead of us. And that's why, again, when the Bears had that that tough loss in Atlanta last year and we visibly watched him get frustrated in that moment and pound a table and, and, and storm yeah. off to the elevators to go downstairs, you understand the frustration he was feeling because, David, he had a team that wasn't able to get over the hump in big moments. They didn't have the championship mindset. They were hoping more than they they were believing and he wants to feel what he felt in Kansas City, which was it's go time and we're going to be the team that goes.